One, two, three. Highest Potential with Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores how Bob Jones University empowers individuals to reach their highest potential for God's glory. Well, we'd like to welcome you today to this uh, podcast, Highest Potential. I'm Steve Pettit, president here at Bob Jones University, and uh, we are delighted to have with us today Dr. Alan Benson. Alan, thanks for being with us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Alan is the vice president here at Bob Jones for student development and discipleship. Uh, Alan was in the pastoral ministry for 25 years and uh, came here to Bob Jones University a couple of years ago and has only been a tremendous blessing, especially in his work with our student body and our process of discipleship and life groups, chapels and dorm life and mentorship and discipleship groups and so much uh, spiritual work that is going on. And so I wanted Alan to come in today because he is really overseeing the process here at Bob Jones University of as we reopen the school this fall, he is in charge of the health and safety of our incoming student body this year which we're very, very excited about the incoming student body. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're, we're looking like we're pretty solid on our numbers this fall, Alan. Yeah. And uh, right now we're probably about 2% behind where we were last year. So uh, we're, we're mashing on the gas to get a full student body in. So, uh, Alan, I task you uh, after the uh, closing of the school in March to really put together a task force for safety and health. So tell us about that and tell us the process of what we've been working on. Well, Doc, I, I too am, am so excited. You know, we're living in the age of COVID and if it's marked by any one thing in particular, it is marked by the unknown and, and every day changing circumstances. And so trying to get to the position of confidence and security and stability, um, that really has been our primary motivator. Um, you mentioned my privilege of, of getting to work in, in student life and development and seeing our kids mentored and growing and developing uh, spiritually. And, and we believe in the mission of BJU mm -hmm. and, and that's what we're doing. And the passion that is driving us in preparation is because we believe in that mission. So what can we do to open this campus next year and as much as we can with full green lights accomplish that mission? Mm -hmm. that, that's really what the task force has been after. Not just, well, let's find a way to get the doors open. It really right. has been, how can we best accomplish the mission of BJU and then do that in, in a way that is safe, that is healthy, that is secure, that is protected. And so we've been working to find that balance. Um, no one's excited, right? It's that, that's not even what we're talking about. Um, what I am, however, is very encouraged in our preparations. Mm. Encouraged, first of all, because you look at the immensity of a task of opening our campus 
And in a very short time, God put together a task force of the most capable, gifted, and committed people to help us make these preparations, literally from every department on campus, guided by some of the sharpest minds I've, I've ever met. So tell us some of these people, and I, a lot of our people would not know them, but some of them would. So for example, um, kind of the pinnacle of all of our preparations has been making um, preparations to be healthy and safe. So we put together a subcommittee that is a health and safety task force. And on that, we have got now the dean of our new School of Health Professions, Jessica Miner. Um, we have got on there uh, Amy Hicks, who once you get to know her, see the courses she's teaching, really she has the capacity to be world-renowned. She world teaches renowned in, in the School of Health in the Professions school of health with, with, health, with health services and so forth. Exactly. Um, a new addition to our, our campus this past year and, and God's provision at a time like this, Dr. Bernard Cadio who really is world-renowned in community health. Yeah, has, he was a member of the World Health Organization. Exactly. Yeah. Um, th th that's three people that are on that health safety task force, um, who then are feeding back to the operational side of the whole campus, recommendations for health and safety. Um, and then uh, on the operations side, um, through our people and our partnerships. So, uh, I had a meeting this week with our provider for all of our food services, Aramark. Um, the work that they are doing, uh, because it's national, and, and then they're bringing that application specifically to BJU, is, is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. What they're thinking through with regard to cleaning protocols in food service, the way to serve, um, how to handle utensils, um, and again, so they're a part of the operational side of, right. of what we're doing. Um, our um, maintenance and facilities staff, um, uh, Tom Berg may be the most conscientious person I've ever met heading mm -hmm. our facilities department. And so having that passion as he thinks through what we're going to do in cleaning and then uh, what we're going to do in, in the, the PPE that we're going to provide across our campus. Um, and those are all people that are, that are on this task force. Independent of that, um, there is another whole separate task force just to address our academic preparations. And, and it is made up of, of deans and department heads under Gary Weir, our provost, and their preparations, um, again, are, are so encouraging mm -hmm. to me. And so hours, literally hours, not just in meetings, but each meeting has had hours of research. So all of this is happening under the clear guidance of, of both federal, state, and, and local recommendations. Mm -hmm. The CDC and DHEC uh, recommendations are all being brought into- Department into, of Health. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Into all of our preparations. Right. And we've got people who not just are going out and, and reading materials, they actually have relationships with, with the heads of those organizations and are having conversations right. with them. So I'm encouraged at, mm. at our preparations. Well, and I, I think as we look back when we had to close the school on the 13th of March and we set out two primary goals, one is to protect the health and safety of the environment of the school. And secondly, for the students to complete successfully the end of the school year. And we really believe that we accomplished those goals and not just got by, but 
God blessed with our student body, the graduation, at least the seniors finishing that class. Now coming into the summer, obviously we're now having to make huge pivots within our school in preparation for the coming of our students. And, and really our goals are still pretty much the same and that we want to provide for the health and safety of our entire Bob Jones University family, number one. And number two, we really want there to be a successful student uh, educational experience here of what Bob Jones University is able to provide. So as we look at this, um, I would say the the big picture, I'm sure the students are sitting there thinking, okay, what's it going to be like when I come back? So tell us what it's going to be like. Will it be exactly the same as it was last semester? Will it be different? You know, I wish we could say it's going to be exactly the same. And if I said that, everybody listening to this would say, okay, they're not living in reality. Hmm. Um, we are, are pursuing a, a, a continued unparalleled student experience. And we're looking to do that in the age of COVID. And to do it, we, we have to make preparations that, that are going to affect everyday life. Hmm. That, that's the reality. And so it's not going to be exactly the same um, because... If we did that, we all believe and understand that we would put another school year in jeopardy. Right. We may face having to do the same thing that we had to do last March. Mm -hmm. and, and no one, even in our preparations, can rule that out. That is a part of safely stewarding and managing the risk. Some point you may reach a threshold that says the only way we manage it is to make a similar decision. Right. But we're doing everything we can that that's not what we face. So there's a mixture of the preparations that that we are making and that we will will roll out at the beginning of the year. Right. So things like there will be enhanced cleaning. Mm -hmm. We are going to be cleaning uh, the community spaces much more frequently than we did in the past and even using different measures to do so to sanitize. Mm -hmm. So bathrooms will be clean more. All the tables in the dining common will be clean between use. Um, and and we'll, we'll even bring some of those measures to our, our residence hall facility. So cleaning Probably is going to be- Probably a little be, more staggered of when students can come in and out for eating and that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, then following, and, and if you're listening in the news at all, you hear kind of the discussions of what happens with COVID and, and we're addressing all of those things. Right. So will we do testing? The answer is yes, we will. We, well, let's, let's get to some of the elephants in the room in just a moment. Cause I've got about five, probably five elephants in the room. Uh, that's why I always have an elephant in my room because we always, everybody <laughs> wants to know where we're going to go. Uh, but I do want to say, uh, uh, before we get there, uh, as a university, we have been working with, with the health organization here in Greenville, and we're planning to do something on campus that we've not done before, and especially working with uh, the health provider called Prisma. So tell us a little bit about that. Prisma is the largest healthcare provider in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, most people that would go to the doctor in Greenville are going to end up in a Prisma facility, whether that's just a doctor's office or ultimately end up in the hospital. And they're not the only one, but they're, they're the largest. And we really have had the privilege of developing an unparalleled partnership as a university with, with Prisma to provide healthcare services. 
what we'll roll out um, in in light of returning to campus in the fall uh, is what we're terming our student health services. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have an on-campus presence that will be immediate point of contact for our students that will take the, the wonderful network of care that we've already had in our residence hall settings. So it will actually uni utilize um, dorm supervisors, mentors, all the way down to, to our, our students that are working on our, on our halls and coordinate. Someone's not feeling well. You aren't going to have to go search for somebody to figure out what to do. The people you know are now going to be trained to be a part of this. But we're going to have an on-campus office, student health services, that ultimately you can talk to that person and you are going to get assisted through a full health So that'll assessment. be something here on campus. Like, like yes. in the past, we've had the, we, or not in the past, but we have the Office for Student Care. Correct. Center for Student Care. Something along that line. Absolutely. Right. With a, a point person that, that literally can walk a student through the steps they need to do. So through our partnership with Prisma, we have a 24-7 nurse diagnostic line. Okay. You can call anytime. It is fee-based and the university pays that for our students. Um, to give you an example of how this office would work, you're not feeling well. You talk to um, your, your, say, your mentor. Your mentor is going to link you with this office and someone will say, hey, let, let's, let's call that number. And, and you will help you with that diagnostic. And then what's next? You're not feeling well. So I, what do I, someone will say, Hey, you know what? They're, they're saying, let's get you to the doctor. We'll get you to the doctor. And someone now will be in the process of walking through all that care with you. And the wonderful thing about the partnership with Prisma is you are in a healthcare system to deal with what might be COVID and might not be, but they'll walk you through do I need a test? Do I not need a test? Uh, is there medicine? Is there and not medicine? And there's a primary clinic. The B actually, it's the BJU primary clinic across the street. From. Right. What now is actually going to be termed the, the Student Health Services Partnership. Yeah. That's what right. it is. And so we will create our own presence on campus. We have just outside our front gate that service, and right. they're going to be linked, a, a link that we're making. We're going to put someone on campus that facilitates our students getting connected with that care. Okay. Um, and so that, that partnership I'm really excited uh, about. The, the services that we are going to provide our students through the Prisma partnership are unparalleled. Right. They're, they're just not available to anybody else. And, and um, we're so thankful for Prisma's help with that. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, some of the, uh, probably uh, the elephants in the room, the, the big questions people are going to ask about when they come back on the campus and so forth. So let me, let me uh, just go down the list. Uh, let's talk about testing. Yes. Uh, and I realize, and I think all of you that are listening recognize that what America is like today and 50 days from now could be very, very different. And we realize there is a flexibility in this. And so we're, we're moving in a particular direction with the recognition that we can pivot or shift depending on what happens. Uh, but let, let's talk about, first of all, testing. Testing as it is today, and that's really what we're making decisions on, is what kind of effectiveness do we have in providing a healthy and safe campus 
environment. So we're looking at, at what does testing as it exists today provide us? And the biggest challenge with testing is the amount of time it takes to get results. Right. So do we do initial testing, require it 10 days before a student comes to campus? Well, it would tell us that 10 days before they came to campus, they were negative. It tells us nothing about the next 10 days right. when they actually are going to be doing all their travel. Right. They're probably going to interact with their families because they're going to meet and say goodbye. They're going to be with all of their friends, probably their greatest days of exposure. So then do we do a test when they get to campus? The challenge with that is we bring them all here. We put them all, all 2, together. All 2,500 students. We give them all a test and we wait five to seven days for results. Well, now they've all been together for... so. Right. Where we're at on testing is that we are going to do testing, but it's going to be symptomatic. Right. So we are going to do screening of everybody initially to determine who is symptomatic. And if that screening shows us anybody that's symptomatic, we're going to have testing for those people. And screening will be ongoing on Correct. The campus. Correct. So that, that bridges to that. We are going to provide an initial screening. That, that we are going to do for everybody. And then beyond that, um, through our, our partnerships, uh, we are actually gonna provide a digital tool that every student will have access to, to then carry out self-screenings every day hmm. that will be a part of their access to, to, to class and, and the, the normal routines of, of campus life. So there will be self-administered screening every day then throughout the semester. Okay. And then uh, some have asked about the contact tracing. So let's say somebody um, doesn't feel good and then uh, they they uh, take the test and, and they show up as COVID-19. Then you kind of start tracing everybody around right. here on campus. What, where are we on that? Um, contact tracing is like anything. It develops perceptions. And um, I think everybody's become familiar with the thought that there's a way to do contact tracing using either Google or Apple devices that they can use those to know everybody you've come in contact with within the last, you know, 15 days. Um, that is not what we are talking about. Um, what we are talking about is, is community health. So talking with those who got diagnosed and then looking at their close community for the possibility of prolonged exposure. Um, so primarily in our setting, that person will have roommates. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that not only does the roommate become aware, which they would very quickly, that they've got a roommate that is not feeling well or has been tested, but then to talk to them about how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about contact tracing, we're actually talking about community care. Mm -hmm. Who's in your immediate community? And, and we're going to initiate conversations with them to make sure that they're well and, and, and making sure that, that if we can preemptively very early get them in the process of, so ha have you been having you know, aches and pains, uh, fever, uh, the other clear symptoms of what could potentially be a, a COVID infection. So it's a common sense thing. Exactly. So if, if my roommate, for example, had COVID-19, that doesn't guarantee that I have it. No. So you, either you go take a test if it, or you wait till the symptoms come. Correct. I see. So it's, it's a, a step. Okay. Um, it, it, it's a caring step. 
that we're going to purpose that instead of waiting for your roommate to come to us, we're going to make sure we have the conversation early and say, hey, just so you're aware and, and how, how are you feeling? So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about contact tracing. It's the contacts of the person who now right. has been tested. And for us, that's just com community. Right. We're not trying to find out, you know, if you happen to be somewhere at the mall and we're with some, we're talking about our community. Right. Are your roommates well? Can right. we keep them well? Um, that that's what we're talking so about. So let's say uh, let's say one of our students uh, takes a test and it comes up that he's uh, has COVID nineteen. Probably was eight. Obviously, in this case, he would be symptomatic. Um, what what's the process here? Uh, obviously, there has to be some isolation. How how are we going to do that here on the campus? We have been able um, because of having a building available. That, that we could, in short order, get prepared for actual housing uh, in a comfortable, safe environment for those who need to be isolated. So uh, two types of, of potential isolation. Someone's symptomatic and goes and gets tested and is waiting for that test. Um, is there a place where they can be while they have the potential of, of being a disease spreader and not be in their room with their roommates or, or those sort of things? Uh, the second is someone's test come back, comes back positive. And for us, uh, that looks like a period that, that's standard, again, following guidance from the Department of Health. Um, they're going to be in isolation for 14 days and need to be without symptoms for three days to come back into normal circulation. Um, obviously, we don't want to put those two types of isolation together, mm -hmm. So, but we have provided now spaces for them. And in, in what our students would know is reveal dormitory. Okay. Uh, two full floors, uh, four halls that will be like our normal dorm rooms where they can be housed in isolation. Food will be brought in. Exactly. It cover. will be a full care facility. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so a couple of things about that. Um, we will bring to them their food in, in their dorm room so they will be fed um, not just a meal to get by, but, but a healthy meal. Right. Um, we are going to be providing the linen service in those rooms so they don't have to worry about, do I get my sheets and my towels and what I, what I do? The rooms will be equipped for them. Um, we actually are working with IT right now so that we will have our strongest bandwidth in that facility mm -hmm. because we don't want them to miss class. Right. You know, it, so they can do class while they're, while they're in the room. Exactly. Okay. And then the other thing that that will provide wonderfully through our partnership is they will have the opportunity about every three days to have a virtual doctor's visit with the physician. Right in their room, okay. the physician will walk them through their through conditions. Prisma. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's going to be a full care facility Great. for them, and and that will be there for our students. Should they wait for a test for three days, or should they have to do a full fourteen okay. day isolation? Well, I've got got one final question, and that's probably uh, that's this is always because it it affects us uh, on a regular basis, and that has to do with the idea of social distancing and wearing of masks. So talk to us about that. Yeah. And, and probably for those of us who generally feel healthy and feel like somehow COVID-19 has invaded our personal space, <laughs> this is the biggest issue. Like right. you're telling me I can't be near my friends. And if I am, I got to wear a mask. Like how uncomfortable is that? And, and so it, it really does invade our personal space. 
Uh, at the beginning of our chat today, we talked about wanting to provide as normal a student experience as possible. And the issues of, of social distancing, as it's termed, really for us, it's physical distancing. Right. I, want our, I want our student body to develop stronger social relationships, but do it with physical distancing. Um, and thus, the idea of masking, really the general protocols are social distance or physical distance. And that is termed by six feet and 15 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. If you're within six feet for 15 minutes, you violated social distancing. And if you can't provide that kind of spacing, the right answer, the next right answer is then you wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And um, what we are looking at is trying as much as possible on our campus to keep things normal by providing social distancing. But there are certain things that we could either look and say, we can't do the social distancing, therefore we're not going to do that. Or, you know what, that is really important to the student experience. We really need to be able to do that. And the way for us to be able to provide that for our students is if they wear masks. Mm. And that's what we're trying to balance. Um, it would be really easy to say, just stop it all. But we wouldn't have the student experience our students want to have. We can provide the experience, though not 100%, maybe 80%, some maybe 90 but you can do it and wear a mask. And that's when we're looking to wear masks, when it allows us to give the students the student experience. Not out of fear. Not, boy, everybody wear a mask, then we're all going to be safe. It actually is proactive. It's about, mm -hmm. about providing the student experience. The second factor in that is this is just an opportunity for us to display brotherly love. That my mask is actually more about keeping somebody else safe. And, and that needs to be our heart when we even consider it. That I, why am I going to wear this mask? Because I may have a fellow classmate that does have an underlying health condition that could be something as simple as, as asthma. And when it's normal, other than seeing them use their inhaler, I never think about them having asthma. But it becomes a real issue with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And I just get to love them by wearing a, a mask so that they can have a normal college experience. And that, that's the other side of, of masking. So our goal is going to be to wear masks enough to provide the best student experience we can provide. And of course, knowing where we are today, uh, we will be in alignment with our state regulations, in particularly our local reg regulations here in the city of Greenville. And uh, we'll do that and we'll do what, what is good common sense uh, without overburdening everybody. So it's, it's, a, it's a really fine balance. So, and it's not a, we, we never look at it as a permanent thing. Correct. Uh, you know, we might get the biggest cheers when I announce that no more masks and right. uh, everybody's going to go bonkers over that. But we do have to be prepared for that in our thinking. So in, in preparation for that, uh, every student that comes is getting a, a Bob Jones University uh, specially made mask. That's correct. Uh, we'll provide one for all the students. They're washable. And then we will also provide um, uh, masks uh, in, in buildings uh, where they're going to be expected to wear them. And it, perhaps they come in and they don't have their their Bruins mask, their That's BJU right. mask. So That's right. one of our passions is to make this as convenient as possible. So rather than it be 
oh, I walked all that way. Now I can't go to class because I forgot my mask. We don't want that to happen to anybody. So we're going to try and make compensation to provide for that. So here, you know what, here's a mask you can wear and you don't, you need to get to class, not miss it. So we're trying to think of that right, as well right. across campus. Well, there's a, again, for all of you that are, are, are coming to the university this year, students, um, these are the basic things that we've been working on. There is flexibility. Um, I always have to, my job is to be as clear as I possibly can that uh, there, there will be some inconveniences just by virtue of the way things are today. Uh, but we're going to do everything we can for the, the, to try to have the balance of the best experience, especially student educational experience, and at the same time provide for the, safe and health, the safety and health of the Bob Jones University community. So, uh, uh, Dr. Benson, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, we are very excited about having our students back. It's not very long, and they'll be here. And it's been too long. It's been way <laughs> too long. And we're excited. We have a, a, a pretty full schedule planned. We have athletic events. We have uh, society events. Uh, we have most of our fall schedule that we had planned or we're planning to do. Yes. So we're pretty excited about it and looking forward to it. So thank you very much. It has been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Highest Potential with Steve Pettit. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to follow BJU on social media at BJUEDU and Dr. Steve Pettit at, at BJU President. Mm-hmm.